kids were asked, what does love mean? And their answers were much deeper than expected. Like seven-year-old Danny, who said, love is when my mommy makes coffee for my daddy. And she takes a sip before giving it to him to make sure the taste is okay. And then four-year-old Billy said, when someone loves you, the way they say your name is different. You just know that your name is safe in their mouth. Five-year-old Emily added this, love is when you kiss all the time, and then when you get tired of kissing, you still want to be together and you talk more. Four-year-old Terry said, love is what makes you smile when you're tired. And Nick at age six added, if you want to learn to love better, you should start with a friend who you hate. And five-year-old Stephen said, you really shouldn't say I love you unless you mean it. But if you mean it, you should say it a lot because people forget. So may we learn to love with the innocence of children, dipping deeply into the well of God's limitless love for us. Yes, we should learn to do that, shouldn't we? But as adults, we kind of see love just a little bit differently, kind of like this. Poems are written about it, songs sung about it. But what really is love? You know, we live in a world today that demonstrates love in some crazy ways. You could turn on your TV, turn on a channel, and here's a sitcom telling you this is what love is. There are some people who believe love is nothing but physical, touch. There are other people who find out that they think about love in the realms of material. What can I obtain? I'd love to have that. I'd love to have this. The truth is, love is wonderful. Love is self-sacrificing. Love gives. Love is looking to prop up the other person. That's what love is. You see, God tells us in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 13, this is my definition of love. Yeah, we can turn on the TV. We can watch a Hollywood movie. We can listen to people who think they know what it is, but God tells us exactly what it is. But I really wonder deep down, what do you think love is? It comes down to this. You know, the Bible shows us that God showed his love to us by sending his son into this world, and he gave himself freely. What a wonderful definition, a living example of what love really is. And of course, sacrifice. You and I should learn today to love the way God loves. Yes, we should all learn to do that, shouldn't we? Learn to love the way God does. And as I say that, some of you are thinking, learn to love, doesn't it just come naturally? How could I ever learn to love? And the answer to that is by really looking into the person who demonstrated love, who shared love, who showed love more than any other person ever has or ever will. And that person, of course, is Jesus Christ. I'm sure you're familiar with exactly why Jesus came to earth, as we're told in John 3.16 in the New Living Translation, which tells us, for God loved the world so much, and how much did God love the world and everyone in it? That he gave his only son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. And once Jesus was here, just how did he accomplish that? Well, he accomplished that because he perished, so that you and I wouldn't have to perish. So we'd have eternal life with God, the author of love. And in his act of perishing on the cross, we can see some very specific things in him, some very specific lessons that all of us can learn about love. 
So as Jesus is perishing on the cross, it wasn't like the night before all this, Jesus had gotten a good night's sleep or he got out of bed rested, had a warm shower, a hot breakfast, saw a good movie on Netflix, and then went to the cross. No, during the night before, he went through a series of sham trials by both the Jews and the Romans, which were illegal because it was against the law to have trials at night. But they did them at night just to rush him through. And so Jesus hadn't had any sleep at all. And after they tortured him, first by putting a crown of thorns on his head, pressing it into his forehead, pressing it into his temples, they then beat him, mocked him, they spit upon him. The Bible says they whipped him 39 times because if they whipped him 40 times, that was thought to lose enough blood that it would kill him. So they took him right to the brink. And from the loss of sleep and the loss of blood... Jesus then stumbles up the hill with the cross. And on top of that, the crowd's mocking him. His disciples have left him all except for one. They've scattered. They were afraid of being arrested. And at the cross, all of his friends weren't there. But his mother Mary and his best friend John were there. And in spite of all the horrible pain that he'd already been through, the incredible pain he was going through, At that very moment, somehow he notices them, as we see in John's 19th chapter, verses 25 through 27 in the NIV. It tells us, near the cross of Jesus stood his mother. And when Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple John, whom he loved, standing nearby, he said to his mother, Dear woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. And from that time on, this disciple John took her into his home. You see, by the time that Jesus was on the cross, his mother was widowed, and tradition tells us that she lived for 12 more years, during which John, the writer of this gospel, took care of Jesus' mother. Because Jesus, in essence, said to them, here is your new son, here is your new mother, care for each other. And Jesus is only able to do that and thus have this happen in spite of the great pain and the great agony going on in his life because he first notices them. And unlike us, when we're in great pain and we're in great agony, we notice only who? We notice only ourselves. In fact, when we're not even in pain, but we're just busy, or we're preoccupied with things, we're doing things, we still don't necessarily notice others, do we? We think, hey, I've got too much to do to actually notice anybody else and what's going on with them. But that's the first lesson of love. Jesus shows us on the cross, no matter what it is that you have going on, A priority of love is to notice others around you. Notice others around you. Don't give them a blind eye. Don't say, I don't have the time. I don't have the energy. I don't have the strength to notice them. Because the truth about your loving Jesus is that you're never going to be able to love like Jesus on your own. But here's the thing. With Jesus' love inside you, he'll provide the time. He'll provide the energy He'll provide the strength that you need to notice others and lovingly share his love with others and his care with others, just like Jesus did on the cross. And your loving others can be very simple. Only maybe a few simple words to someone, or you're doing something courteous for someone. Other times, your loving others may not involve you doing anything at all beyond your feeling love and your goodwill for them, and then you're sharing that love and sharing that goodwill about them with God. And yet at other times, loving others may mean moving beyond your normal not doing anything to actually stepping out in some way to demonstrate your love and God's love to them. 
but growing in your love for others in either a silent, outwardly simple, or even outwardly significant way requires that you begin practicing the first lesson of love, and that is noticing others around you. Notice them, who they are, where they are, what's going on with them, what's going on around them. And you don't do that on your own. You ask God to help you in doing that. Ask God who to notice and ask God what he wants you to notice about them. And guess what? He'll show you. Thus, be ready to share his love with anyone you see. And it's really an exciting way to live. So who's the first others that God wants us to notice and pay attention to? Starts with our family. You grow in your love for them by your paying attention to them. I read about a man who was sleeping when his wife woke him up and said, Honey, someone's breaking in. And the man had gone through the same thing several nights a week for 20 years, and he knew the only way that he would ever get back to sleep was to go and check it out. This time, however, he actually found out there was a man with a gun who'd entered to rob the house. The thief is about to flee. The man said, You have to come with me and meet my wife. Astounded, the thief said, Why would you want me to meet your wife? The man said, Because... She's been expecting you for 20 years. You see, the wife wasn't paying any attention to his needs, waking him up several nights a week. What happened was she just wasn't paying attention to him in the right way. We pay attention to our family, don't we? But often it's not in the right way either. It's not the right kind of attention that we're talking about. We're to pay attention to our family in love. It's kind of like a father's reading the newspaper. This little girl comes up and says, Daddy. And he says, What is it, honey? She says, Daddy. He says, yeah, honey, what do you need? And she says, daddy? He says, babe, what do you want? And she climbs up, pulls the newspaper down, grabs him by the cheek and says, daddy, look at me. That's what I need. Pay attention to me. Because your attention is the greatest thing that you can give to someone. Because if you give someone your attention, you're giving them you. You can imagine this scene on the cross. Jesus there all the confusion of that. And yet, in the midst of all that, two people's eyes lock onto each other. Jesus is looking at his mother's eyes as the life is draining out of him. And his mother is looking at her son as she sees the life draining out of him. And there is this laser focus at that moment. No one else in the crowd matters. Likewise, we are to be locked onto each other. So that's what attention means. It was the 35th anniversary celebration of Saddleback Church out in California, Pastor Rick Warren's church. And it was so large, it had to be held in the Los Angeles Angels Major League Baseball Stadium. And on the screen, you'll see a picture of Pastor Rick and his grandson, Cole. Cole, after it was over, couldn't wait any longer. So he busted out, ran full speed across the infield at his grandfather, Rick, who understood very quickly before he got there, if he didn't brace himself, Cole was going to knock him over. You can see in the picture, Pastor Rick is laser-focused on Cole. And Cole is laser-focused on his grandfather, Rick. At that moment, Rick said, I couldn't care about the other 20,000 people there. I was totally focused on my grandson. And that's what paying attention to someone is all about. And thus, being in the physical vicinity of someone and not paying attention to them means that you don't respect them. We honor people when we pay attention to them. Jesus shows his love for his mother and thus his family by paying attention to her, even though life is draining out of him. So the first lesson of love is to seek to notice others around you. This includes everyone, your family, friends, acquaintances, even those you don't know. Secondly, we're to seek to meet the needs of others around you. 
James 2.15 in the message tells us this. You come upon an old friend dressed in rags and half starved and say, Good morning, friend. Be clothed in Christ. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. And you walk off without providing so much as a coat or a cup of soup. Where does that get you? Isn't it obvious that God talk without God acts is outrageous nonsense? Outrageous nonsense. To love like Jesus' love is not a passive pastime or thing. It's the last earthly thing Jesus did while dying on the cross. He takes notice of his mother and meets her greatest need, which is to be taken care of. So yes, for love like Jesus' love, we are to notice others around you, particularly our family, friends, acquaintances, even those we don't know. Secondly, again, we're to seek to meet the needs of others around us. That means all the people around us that God would guide us to. And sometimes that may be someone you see out in public. Or sometimes it might be someone who is an acquaintance or a neighbor or a friend. Or sometimes it might be someone in your family, particularly in your family. Because as 1 Timothy 5.8 in the New Century Version tells us, whoever does not care for his own relatives especially his own family members, has turned against the faith. It's worse than someone who does not believe in God. Some of you might be thinking, ooh, that's a scary verse. You mean loving like Jesus did means I must care for those who aren't going to give me anything back? And who of us haven't felt the challenge of that? Some of us may have parents or will have parents who get dementia or Alzheimer's. And you're going to have to tell them the same thing 15 times over and over and over again. However, when you show patience, even after telling them over and over again, you're being like Jesus. Then you may say, well, you know, I have some family members who I could lovingly help, but all they ever want to do is take, take, take. Or I have some people outside my family that I could lovingly help who just want to take, take, take. How does Jesus want me to love them? Well, here's Jesus' third lesson on love. Give emotional support. Give emotional encouragement to others around you. We see this as Jesus is hanging on the cross before his mother Mary. She's brokenhearted. Watching her son suffer incredible agony. Can you imagine being a mother and watching your son die upon a cross? Standing there with her is John, Jesus' best friend. He's also in agony, not really understanding why the Son of God has to go through all this pain and all this ridicule. Jesus has nail-pierced hands, while his mother and his best friend John have nail-pierced hearts. They really needed emotional support. Let me say that friends and family plan that Verizon introduced a few years ago didn't actually begin with them. It actually began with Proverbs 17, 17. This in the message, friends love through all kinds of weather and families stick together. That's the third way that you show the love of God. And Mary was there and John was there when most everyone else left. You stick together, you show up, you hold up. As you guys know, every other Sunday we share God's love with people in our community by showing up and by standing up at their point of need. And a few Sundays ago, we showed up at the rental home of a neighbor of mine that needed lots of work, which the landlord hadn't provided. And the reason the fellow moved there in the first place was because of the divorce. That after three years of expense and futility was no closer to being finalized than when it first began. Even though it was a good deal he got on that rental home, it was also kind of depressing because the landlord wasn't doing anything at all to take care of it. Especially he looked out at the overgrown backyard, which was that way when he moved in, full of too much debris for him to ever clean out by himself. So armed with God's love, because God had us take notice of him and notice his needs, We showed up to help meet a need. And in that process, we showed him emotional support by the fact that we cared for him. After we finished, he had brought over to our house 
sandwiches and several of us stayed around for a little while. He shared a story with us of this horrible, horrible thing going on in his life. And our being together for him there with a caring ear also gave him some comforting emotional support and encouragement. He said, that's what we do with our helping hands Sundays out. We share God's love in these three ways, noticing others, giving physical help, and emotional support. You see, the more that we love Jesus, the more we love others. And we are to love and we are to care not only about our own friends and family, but we're to love and care about all of God's family and all those who God created, which is who? It's everyone. God wants us to care about and love everyone. Now, you've heard the expression, blood is thicker than water. And that means that those that are in our family are more closely connected to us than those not in our family. But God has something else to say. God says grace is thicker than genetics and genealogy. In other words, we're all a part of God's family and all those God created everywhere. As we see in Romans 12:10, be devoted to each other like a loving family. Excel in showing respect for each other. I don't know if you've ever thought of this before, but you know the Bible tells us Jesus had four half-brothers, two half-sisters. They were all children of Mary and Joseph, but only Mary was the parent of Jesus. His real father was God. Joseph was just his stepfather. So his four half-brothers, two half-sisters, they show up at different times in the Bible and watch him do miracles and a couple of times even try to talk him out of what he's trying to do. But it's interesting, Jesus didn't call upon them to care for his mother, did he? What did he do? Well, he called on John. And that's because even his own brothers, they hadn't become believers yet. And it wasn't until after the resurrection they realized, along with many others, he was in fact the son of God. And as a result, his brother James became one of the leaders in the church of Jerusalem and wrote the book of James in the New Testament. Now, if you can imagine this, being one of Jesus' brothers or sisters as you were growing up, he was always right. He never cheated on a game. When you said, Mom, Jesus did it, Mom would say, James, you know he didn't do it. It must have been really tough growing up with a perfect brother who was actually perfect. And after all that, I'm not sure that I'd be excited about believing in him either. But the resurrected changed all that for them. But beforehand, Jesus trusts the care of his mother to John, a mature believer. Because the love of God greatly expands our ability to love and care, way beyond our human capacity to love and to care. Thus, Galatians 6.10 in the New Century Version says, When we have the opportunity to help anyone, we should do it. Notice the words, help anyone. We learn to love like Jesus, and as we do that, we will see more opportunities to love more people around us. That's not all, though, Galatians 6.10 said. It also says that we should also give special attention to those who are in the family of believers. That's why when one of us in the church could use a helping hand ourselves or at our homes, that we go and share that love and faith with others around us. To learn to love like Jesus. Romans 15, 2 and 3 in the message also says this. Each of us needs to look after the good of the people around us. Asking ourselves, how can I help? That's exactly what Jesus did. He didn't make it easy for himself by people's troubles, but waited right in and helped out. Jesus did this again and again and again. Even right to the very end, his life's draining out of him on the cross. He didn't say, hey, I'm in too much pain. I'm almost done here. He didn't say, I'm giving it my all. I'm saving humanity, so I can't do any more. No, what did he say while hanging on the cross? He said to all the people that put him there, Father, forgive them. They know not what they're doing. 
He said of the thief on the cross next to him, today you'll be with me in paradise. To his mother and best friend, he said, care for each other. Nothing stopped him from showing his love to others all around him, even on the cross. And nothing should ever stop us from sharing his love through us to all of those around us. In fact, I heard someone make this suggestion. Look for Jesus disguised as a hurting person. In your life, look for Jesus disguised as a hurting person. They may be someone at your work. They may be the person behind you in the grocery store. They may be someone at school. They may be in your neighborhood. Look for Jesus in the hurts of people around you because he will show up and he will guide and help you there. And God does that. He will show up in love in ways that you cannot even imagine, just as he lovingly did in the life of a three-year-old child back in June. Watch this. What a story they have. They were riding in that SUV that flipped several times on I-95 near Titusville on Memorial Day weekend. A tire blew on the SUV, causing it to roll several times, ejecting some passengers. One of those was a three-year-old who flew over a wall and survived. He was thrown out the car over the third floor wall. He missed the house and six poles, and he landed and and some dirt. He told me that when he was in the air that somebody was holding his hand. You see, the love of Jesus is so powerful that he can send an angel to comfort a child thrown out of a car over a 30-foot high wall, missing all sorts of objects and landing in a pile of dirt. And Jesus can guide you around, over, and through whatever walls are keeping you from loving him in your loving others. Jesus' love in you can do things in and through you in emotionally supporting and helping others in ways you can't imagine before they happen either. So love like Jesus. To do so, seek to notice others around you. Seek to meet the needs of others around you. Seek to give emotional support and emotional encouragement to others around you. Yes, look for Jesus to show up in and through your lovingly noticing and meeting the needs of others because he will show up. So be sure to look for him in that way. Will you pray with me? Great God, thank you so much for your love for us. When we look at our lives, we just are so undeserving. And yet through Jesus' perishing on the cross, your love for us comes to us in such a pure way. Help us, Father, to learn to love like Jesus did by our noticing others around us and point us to who it is we should notice and how we should notice them, Father. And then point us to how we might meet their needs, how we might make a difference. And then show us, too, how we might be able to give them emotional support, emotional encouragement. And so, Father, help us to learn to love like Jesus did. And may that go with us from this point forward in our lives. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.